if you're talented, trust me, you will be heard. You got to really put yourself out there. There are so many talented people out there, but they lack that platform or they lack that drive to spend time to do social media. Social media is the shit right now. Be obsessed with what you're doing and what yeah. you love to do. Do not turn down any opportunity or any job, even if it's like a small role, just so you show up on stage in the corner of the stage to deal with the lighting. Just any sort of opportunity for you to get physically closer to the stage, if mm -hmm. the stage is what you're after. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't turn down no jobs. Mm -hmm. If you want to be an actor, dude, go to every fucking audition. Don't matter the role. We need to fail before we mm -hmm. succeed. If you have any doubts saying, oh, shit, this is hard. I want to give up. Then you sorry to tell you that you weren't even passionate enough to begin with. You're listening to The Big Asian Energy Show, where every week we interview Asian experts, move makers, and ceiling breakers to uncover their secrets of success so we can help you reach your greatest potential. I'm your host, John Wang. Let's dive in. I'm so stoked today. My literal childhood, mm. super close friend. I've literally known her since birth. Our parents yeah. were besties. We were besties. Yeah. And I'm also just so incredibly proud of her because she is just a rock star of a human being and a musician. She overcame some incredible odds. She has one of the best voices in the world. I'm a musician, by the way. It's your yes. girl, Nene. Do you go by Nene? Yes, I go by Nene. Only because growing up, the name Renee. It was really hard for most people, especially Mandarin speakers, to pronounce Renee. And so literally, it just became Nene. And then, yeah, I've been called Nene all my life growing up mm -hmm. since school all the way to Taiwan. So my close friends, they call me Nay or Nene. Nene is a hit hip hop musician based in Taiwan. I know you've had a number of albums that exploded. I still have them, and I'm just obviously obsessed with your music. Do you even have the CD player, though? <laughs> I do. I know my mom does as well. Yeah, and we're talking about back in the days. We OG. Where yeah. CD players still existed. I remember one time I, I flew back to Taiwan, and I remember mm -hmm. one of your early songs, Who Am I Waiting For? Oh. I could not stop hearing it. <laughs> Every restaurant I went to, this area called like Ximending, which oh, and yeah. I think I counted five different stores that I was walking by, that I was playing it. So tell us your journey. What was your background? Your journey mm -hmm. is super interesting. Okay, first of all, my journey started with our parents being besties. Our moms literally were pregnant at the same time. You and I, we go way back. We've known each other all right. our lives. You're my oldest friend. And this is incredibly awesome for me because I've never done no interview with fans for the viewers because you were freaking adorable one like the most adorable baby i've ever seen he still looks the same like his dimples straight up like still dimple for days still look the same most cutest baby i've ever seen and you know when people say like all babies are cute which is not true I am that exception. I, I remember this one incident. So you know how moms, yeah, they would hang out with the girlfriends. They would bring the kids along, right? 
And then the kids will play together and they're being, they haven't seen in a while. And I have an older brother, also adorable baby. And one of my mom's friends, yeah, she goes up to my brother. She's like, oh, good. Good good name's older brother. Good good. No, so look at you. Like, you're getting so handsome. And then she goes, where's May May, little sister? Where's May May? And I'm just going over there with a smile on my face. And she goes, look at you. You're so grown. I don't even get a pinch on the cheek. I still struggle with receiving compliments, but you're making me blush. (laughs) Both you and I were born in Taiwan. Went to the States with my brother. And my mom around kindergarten. I remember specifically in elementary school. I've always been that really active one. And there was this play in school, which is the Lion King play for the choir. But I wasn't in the choir. And there was supposed to be an audition for the lead role. Well, they had the lead role of baby Simba and then the adult Simba. They needed someone for the baby Simba. Nobody auditioned for that role. And for some apparent reason, I guess one of my classmates told the choir instructor that I sang or I like to dance and all sorts of stuff. So the choir instructor invited me over to sing something to her. I remember saying happy birthday to her. I got that role, being young Simba. And I just remember being on stage just in front of the school. We were like an auditorium. And then I had to dress up in this PJ looking Lion King costume. And I was just saying the song, I can't wait to be king. And it was that very moment where I saw all my classmates like just having a good time. I remember specifically in that moment, I was like, you know what? This is pretty dope. Growing up, I've been doing street hip hop with my friends and there were a lot of competitions. I remember winning. I'm like one of the rare Asian cases. I was pretty free in in terms of what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't really have a father figure growing up. So my brother had to step in and take that role. Now he was a lot more disciplined than I am, but not because like we had a strict mom or something. No, it was just like in his blood. So you were talking about classical music. My brother was very into classical music. He went to one of the most iconic music schools, classical music. My brother was very into classical music. He went to one of the most iconic music schools, Berkeley and Boston College of Music. Mm-hmm. His principal instrument was the cello, which is something very classical. Yeah. So he's a musical genius. I know. So him and I were like the yin-yang of siblings. Mm-hmm. So he was more like into the classical kind of vibe. And then I was like the street hip-hop. So we're very different. A lot of the times, I believe I ran into kind of like an obstacle where, yes, I got signed through competitions for my hip hop, rapping, singing R&B, like this westernized version of myself, things that I grew up with. It's because of that I got signed. But after I come into Taiwan, everything reversed. I wasn't allowed that much to really showcase that part of me record companies they have their say I couldn't really say much mm-hmm. and of course my mom she was supportive but of course I was so young I just turned 16 when I moved to Taiwan not knowing anybody wow. but at the same time I felt like I'm very grateful that I joined the competition and then women had scouted me mm-hmm. but at the end of the day that's pretty much in life, right? There's always that good and the bad and the good. 
And that was an interesting thing. I didn't know that, like that you started through hip hop because that's always been very much core to who you are. Like hip hop, like R&B has always been core to who you are. It's just yeah. it goes so deep into your blood. But it's interesting because you went back, right? You went back to, mm -hmm. to Taiwan and became a musician. And Taiwanese culture didn't have a huge mm. hip hop industry, at least at the time, if I remember correctly. At that time. You could sing basically like, pop songs and that was pretty much a big thing and you were scouted partly i think for your voice i remember you had the same voice coach as i think it was coco lee you were this super talented street hip-hop musician and the culture was like no that's not what we want yeah i remember an incident for my first album i was nominated for golden melody so that's like the i guess the grammys in taiwan for best yeah. new artist i was so grateful and i was like oh my god like really i'm okay with just being nominated but it's because of the nomination i got more shows i got more exposure and then of course with more exposure there's more media to deal with mm -hmm. and literally every time when i showed up when i'm with media they, they asked me they will literally say, how does it feel to be compared to Miss Coco Lee? And there was one incident that was on the news was they had asked Miss Coco about her thoughts on me. Because just in case anyone doesn't know, because Coco Lee is OG, like oh, from mm. our generation. No, yeah. And I think she said something along the lines. I don't think it was so long. This is like almost 20 years ago. So along the lines of what would be cool if we would do, we would share a stage together or something like that. And it's because of that comment, people started blowing up, like making it the, the bigger deal. And that was just so happens to be something I'm trying to get away, away from. from. So that was really hard for, on my part. And it was just the pressure of just living in somebody else's shadow. And I absolutely adore her. She's a role, absolute role model. But at the end of the day, I was young. I was a teenager. Yeah, so I, I really try to just try to change my voice. So I really just trying to ruin it. I, I even screamed in the pillow. It was just so much pressure on me. And not only with, I had a record label, I had a management. They were both, they had really high expectations. Yeah, so I had to deal with that as a teenager. And being in Taiwan, I'm always being introduced as the foreigner from LA, right? But then later on, going back to LA, I'm being introduced as the foreigner from Taiwan. <laughs> How did that feel? This journey of your own identity was constantly being forced upon you by your manager, your label. Yeah, my Mandarin wasn't great. I spoke Taiwanese more than I did with Mandarin. I had a tutor, I had to take classes, like all sorts of classes. So I understand why I was being seen as a foreigner, which is yeah, that's true. Just like you said, going back to LA, she's from Taiwan. And when I'm in Taiwan, she's from LA. So I'm like stuck in the middle. So I didn't like that for a while, but when I pull myself into another perspective, like in a third person's perspective, I completely understand why they would see me like that. Yeah, I'm from Taiwan. When I'm in Taiwan, you're from LA, hell How did you feel accepted though? Like, I know a lot of Asian Americans probably feel this, like they're not really their country of origin, right? They're not really Taiwanese, they're not yeah. really Chinese, they're not really whatever it is. When I went back, people were constantly reminding me of the fact that I was an outsider. And literally, I had one lady come up and just, hey, I got to ask, are you from North America? And I'm like, okay, yes. How did you, how? You walk different. 
Because I wasn't even talking to her. I was confused about it. I wasn't even annoyed by it. But at least in North America, when I'm turned to a foreigner, because I look Asian, clearly. And you're so tall and people just automatically eyes on you. Oh, man. I got that so often. She's like, you walk different. You walk like a foreigner. And I ask her, what, what does that mean? She's you take mm. up more space. You expect <laughs> more space. And, and exactly, that was my exact my reaction. Most Taiwanese people, like they don't expect the space, but you'll like create more space and you walk slower. Uh, what was your experience like being the foreigner everywhere you went? Do you ever feel like you belong anywhere? For the longest time, no. Honest truth. For the longest time, I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I'm always looking for that home. And uh, even till today, I want to buy a house, not because I want to own the property, but it, it's what it represents, a home. I know a lot of people are like, home is where the heart is. Yeah, but what if your heart is in two so places? places right? At the end of the day, it's like, when we want to talk about like where I'm from, my nationality, mm. go all the way back to my grandma. She is the most Taiwanese that you could know. She indigenous aboriginal grandma like the Taiwanese and so I just tell people like you know what I'm from both LA and I'm from Taiwan I read both places because I love both places equally mm. and I'm comfortable in both places equally I want it all I want to I got through a traumatic experience when I was a teenager my first love passed due to gun violence and that's a huge issue even to this day gun violence in america is such an issue do something about it i want to contribute more to this relationship due to my work and my career mm -hmm. i would just share it with you it was very strict they had all these rules so yeah. i dropped out of high school and for high school or always talking about either graduation or going to prom was a huge thing we were talking about it since we were like in elementary school right prom was like this huge deal for everybody yeah, yeah. so i was looking forward to that so i, I dropped it at high school so i came back to town on the 16 and we were long distance but we were emailing each other he, he was a high school boyfriend first love really and that's always the hardest and the one where you experience new things and being introduced to something unfamiliar, right? And I got a phone call. It was supposed to be one of my happiest moments when I got nominated for the award for Best New Artist. I was hoping like, oh, I should definitely share this with them. I couldn't find them. And then I received a call from my mom. When I called my mom, I wanted to tell her, like, yeah, I got nominated and shit like that. My mom's a florist and she does floral arrangements for weddings and for funerals. Unfortunately, she said, Hey, I don't know how to tell you this, but our call today that I'm doing his funeral. And I couldn't even describe in words. It's hard to describe emotions into words. I always say that music to me, music is what feelings sound like. So I found out that he was shot. Yeah, he was shot. At first, we said we were going to go to prom together. No matter where, I was going to fly back and go to prom. My company wouldn't let me because I had a show and it was under contract. And so I couldn't go to prom. I was so devastated. We had everything planned out too. I was going to have purple roses. I knew what kind. I was going to wear a, a formal 
with Jordans on. I knew I had it all in my head. And my favorite flowers are purple rose. And my mom was gonna make it for us. And it was all in my head. So I couldn't go to prom. So that was out of the picture. There was a lot of the times where I wanted to go back to do shit with my friends, like graduation. I wanted to be at the graduation. I wanna know what it's like. Couldn't do that. Company won't let me. And then I thought, I need to go back. I need to go back for his funeral. Come on. Nope. Can't do it. Nope. I got to do this other thing. I was in a very dark phase in life. So when I did go back where they have their ashes, for the next 12 years, I went back every single year to visit him. Because the last email he has sent me, I came back to Taiwan. I dropped everything and I came back to Taiwan. I had some homegirls like telling me like as, as if I was running away, like I just left them. Some of them weren't very supportive of me. But he was the only one that was so supportive of me. The last email he sent me was, it's not running away if you know you're coming back. I had that email printed out, got it tattooed on me, and I always kept it in mind. For the next 12, 13 years, I went back every year for him. I did not break that promise. I went back. Mm. I didn't run away. I just, I came back. For the longest time, I had trouble with giving my heart or anything that has to do with love. But I got out of it. Mm. It takes time. And of mm. course, like the right person. Sure. One of the most precious moments that I've experienced, I can say that my mom was so worried about me. She never thought I could walk out of this, that I would always just hold on to this promise of going back every year. She was very concerned. Never really had like a real relationship, like not really until I met my man, present man. When we first got together, he, he knew about this story and he's also from the States. So when we were in LA together, he drove my mom and I to the gravesite. And every time when I go, I'll always bring like a card or like a flower. And my mom is always the one that goes with me. But this time it was the three of us. And yeah, so my man went with three of us. And uh, my mom, she was so touched in tears because she had never thought that I would get to where I am today. Bringing like her man. And then she took a photo of me, my man, and my boyfriend at the time like the three of us together. And that was almost four years ago. I didn't go back. That was the last time that I went back. Mm-hmm. I got closure. Thank you for sharing that. From everything, but I'll always consider LA mm-hmm. part of me, part of my home. Oh, Taiwan's my home. LA is my home. I'm going to have both of them. That's who I am. Beautiful. So with my second album, the journey was in between it was literally like seven days in between these contracts. For my second album, I was under Sony. My first album was Warner. Hmm. And these are long contracts. My first contract was like seven years. It was like five plus two. And then with the plus two, it was like, if you succeed a certain amount, like one of the clauses, and then it'll automatically be extended. So what happened was I had actually recorded a second album with my first label. And it never got released. Why not? What happened was when I didn't receive the award for Golden Melody, my management company 
had second thoughts in terms of my image because I know we were talking about like my first album being hip hop, but to us, it's really pop, right? But to them, it's still labeled as really hip hop. So my management company wanted me to be even more. Now, in my same management, there's amazing pop idol, Cindy Wangxingling. We were in the same label. And then she blew up, of course, being that beautiful, happy-go-lucky pop star. And so my management wanted me to pivot towards that direction, which is not for me, bro. Not even, even if I wanted to. That's Cindy. She's the queen of that because that's who she, who she is. But I can't do that. I can't sing bubblegum pop songs. So my second album, 13 songs were recorded. And then my label, the record company, heard it. They actually had my back time. My label actually had my back. They said, you know what? This is not Renee. And even though if we did put out this album, she wouldn't be happy. Like her performance wouldn't be right. as to par. You know what I mean? Awesome. Warner had my back. I'm in love with the people that I worked with in Warner. I loved mm. every one of them, except for two people. I'll text you that person, the boss man, his name mm. is Samuel. I loved him. He took such good care of me in every way. And my promo team, my PR team loved every one of them. My problem was my management. My problem was my management. Mm -hmm. Instead of putting out a second album, they shelved it. So Warner had full rights to the album. They could put it out today if they wanted to. If they wanted to look me up and just make some pocket change from it, they could do that anytime. Even to this very moment, they could do that. However, I still have a contract with them, right? And with my management. So I signed through Warner through my management. Instead of letting me go and just be like, be on your way. Like, we can't do this. Now, I had to wait out my contract till it expired. And it was tough for me. My name, my image my voice, the rights to all of that. My management had the rights to all of that. If I wanted to post something, let's just say online, if I want to do anything with my voice, I would get sued. Wow. <laughs> like you couldn't even just upload like a YouTube video of, no. of your own singing. Because I'm a product. Of course I'm a product. And they, I understand it's a business thing. It's yeah. nothing personal. It's just a business. I, I get that man now but back then i didn't get it i had so much exposure and my name was out there so mm -hmm. there was a reason why my management couldn't run me go because they know mm -hmm. for a fact that if they let me go somebody else is going to take me and everything mm -hmm. that they have done in the beginning all of that would mm -hmm. be taken away mm -hmm. so then they would rather me wait out my contract they would not let me go so i was there for years they threw me in a drama one of those idol dramas. <laughs> you on TV? <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. A key drama you're talking about, right? I had the lead role. I couldn't even read the script because it was all oh, in Chinese, yeah. right? So for me to remember my lines, and I had a really big role. One of the crew members, I remember, her job was to record my lines on a cell phone and had me listen to my lines so I could remember. <laughs> that was a struggle for me. You know what? I've never been an actor. I don't know what that shit like. My first scene, this is a storyline because my boyfriend in the drama, my boyfriend had gotten hit by a car 
So she dies in my arm. That was my first thing. <laughs> That's a heavy scene. My sister is, is an actress and, and I've been to like acting classes. I didn't even go to no acting classes. Just, they just feel like, okay, this is your next assignment. And remember oh, these lines. Man. And I was like, okay, am I supposed to cry? And they're like, yeah, you're supposed to cry. How do you cry on camera? I don't have to figure that shit out. <laughs> In an hour. What? Okay, that's nuts. Because I thought, I really thought that if I couldn't cry, it would just like fake eye drops or some shit like that. No, but I got no. there. Five o'clock, fine set, oh did my hair my and God. makeup. And they're like, okay, so are you ready to cry? I'm like, no. This actor comes along and I've never met him before in my life. So yeah, this, he plays your boyfriend. I'm like, hi, nice <laughs> to meet you. <laughs> so you're going to die in my arm and I'm supposed to cry. And while crying, John... I'm supposed to recite this super cheesy line that goes, okay, I'm going to translate it into English as much as I can. So imagine this, never done acting. First thing, crying while reciting this line. I can't feel the wind anymore. And I can't feel your presence anymore. Please, how can I understand what this means? I cannot feel the wind. You got two cameras in my face. You got the oh, stranger man. with fake blood that's dripping on my... I went from being a performer on stage and then to, like, being acting, crying, reciting these oh. beautiful lines in front oh, of 40 God. people that I don't know. And so I did the drama for four months. Impressive that you stuck with it for four months. Your voice of the product, your image of the product, everything about you was this puppet person, essentially, right? They say, go make a TV show with lines. I can't feel the wind anymore. So remember, the label, I love them. Yeah. They take care of me. Okay, yeah. so they called, They were like, hey, so you don't have to go to your call tomorrow. I'm like, I'm studying my lines right now. They're like, they're <laughs> going to replace you. And I'm like, really? I was like, oh, okay. So that was my acting, but... Because of the acting experience, I was three months. And later on, from my music video shoot, I found out that I could act now. I could cry on camera on cue now. You what? told me which eye you want. So oh, okay. I guess that wasn't for nothing. Like, I learned something, right? <laughs> wow. That's impressive. Both the fact that you could do that on cue now and also the fact that you had to go through those lines. Looking back, it's funny. And that we could laugh about it, and which is great that we could just laugh about it now. But if you were like living at the moment, you know, I was a teenager at that time and it was just a lot going on in my head and just all the pressure. So when I was going in that drama, when I was an actor, air pro actor, I was still with my label. And it was after acting phase, I had to wait out like the remaining duration of my contract. So I was counting down. I was counting down the hours. I remember specifically date when my contract was <laughs> up. I was looking at my clock. I was going, when that clock strikes 12, I'm going to tell everybody contract free. When that clock struck, I started texting everybody I know in the business. I started posting on Facebook that I'm, yo, I'm contract free. Come work with me. Anything I do with music, I want to do music. And within two days, I get a call from a promoter. And she asked me, she goes, you're contract free. I'm like, yep. She goes, okay, Wally Home wants you to work on a project with them. I, I don't even know him. And so I was like, okay, what's the gig? He wants you to be, be in his music video. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So 
fourth day after my contract expired, I went on set and I met Lee Home. And that kind of gave me my second chapter in my life. The music video was called Cockney Girl. I'm not from Cockney. It was great because she was looking for somebody who's got a name, just somebody who's known. But I haven't been out for a couple of years during that time, but my name would ring a bell. He was looking for someone and somebody who's obviously Asian. Mm. So I met him on set and he's mm. such a gentleman. Mm. And his mom was on set too. It was really cool that I got to be his mom. And he was just very caring and very professional. He directed the video. So I was working in heels for like more than 12 to 14 hours with him. He's one of the people where I would consider, how do you say, that plays an important role in my life. My experience with him is he was such a gentleman mm. and he was very thoughtful. He really took care of the people like under the label. He was like mm. the big brother. Literally, John, like the seventh day, mm. I get the call from one of the executives mm. from Sony. I think he was a music director during that time. Yeah. He calls me. He goes, you're contract free. Come in, let this talk. Warner finally waited out the contract. And then I dive into another major contract. Bruno, it started at 10 years. I didn't really have nobody to really mentor me in terms of negotiating with contracts. When, when you're with Warner, you were 16 years old when you first got signed. No experience in the industry. You were mm -hmm. fresh blood and just like all talent. They signed you for five plus two, right? And then so you got yeah. locked for essentially seven years. And then mm -hmm. out of it, you finally got this freedom and getting introduced to Sony. And after your experience with management, especially, because it sounded like mm -hmm. there was almost some mismanagement, right? So with my first initial contract, it was more like I have issues with, with my management company. But again, this is all business. I get that now. My second attempt with the label mm -hmm. is without a management company. I'm directly signed oh, wow. to the label right. because in my mind, my experience was, management was hard to deal with yeah. so let, let me just throw that up to the side and i'm gonna just work with the label on my own however there's a downfall so it's really about choosing the right people to work with we call it like the in-house artist where you're directly signed under your label now these other artists they have a management in between them to be that person to negotiate for you see i didn't have that no more so it was just me so it was really difficult for me to have a say again. So it's experience and I'm still learning. So actually my second album with Sony, the image was even, how do I put this? Not even going back, but completely reversed who I am as a person, as an artist. Initially, when I was talking to the music director, because I write, I'm a songwriter and I've been writing for such a long time. It was because of all these demos that I've been making that they wanted to sign me. So that's why I agreed with very little room to negotiate. The only wiggle room that I did was the duration of the contract. And they really just took just two to three years off of the contract. But other than that, I was just, okay, yeah, this looks good. Let's do it. Because verbally, you told me that I'm able to put up a hip hop album, a rap album that is R&B hip hop based, and I'll be writing and I'll be a part of the production. That was the verbal agreement. So when we actually went to production, everything changed. They actually wanted me to be more sugar pop. I couldn't even recognize myself when I see the cover of the album. 
And because K-pop during that time, they were so big, they were mm-hmm. so huge. As a business, you want to go where the money's at, right? Yeah. Because K-pop was so big. I did a lot of K-pop covers. I didn't do no writing whatsoever. was not in associated with the production at all whatsoever for my second album. My first album, at least I have two songs that I wrote. So my second album, I was asked for Trudo, in a way, if you think about it. I asked for it. How? Because... I started blasting on my social media and sending SMS to people and be like, hey, work with me. I'm free. Like, I want to do this thing called music, like, right now. <laughs> so I asked for it. And that's because of this inner fire that I need to get out of me that I wasn't patient enough. I saw a contract. It said Sony Music. And I just signed that shit because mm-hmm. I just don't want to put out an album, like, right now. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't smart. I was just in a rush. I've just been locked up for too long. But now knowing yeah. that I'm just jumping right back into jail. If you can go back in time right now, what would you have told yourself back then what to do? Learn to say no. And <clears throat> one of the things is, I guess it sounds so shallow, but don't let the numbers fool you. Just because you add a couple of zeros on a contract, that's not going to make you happy. And the truth is, I was so hungry. I was hangry, angry and hungry at the same time. All I saw was in my mind is huge ass international record label. Find that shit. Let's do it. Let's go. That's how simple my mind was. When it comes to times like this, you need to be a little bit more complicated. You need to start questioning yourself. You need to start asking questions. Because sometimes in life, it is not about finding the right answers, but to ask the right question. I should have taken my contract and probably call up some of my artist friends and get some suggestions and just get their insight and their opinion. But I was just so hangry that I just skipped it and just signed it. Mm-hmm. So my second album did not do well at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm not surprised, but mm-hmm. when we were shooting the music video for it, I already knew like deep down, I already knew that this was not a fail. If I don't even believe in it, how am I supposed to sell this to you? There's no way. If I don't even believe in my own product. One of the struggles that I had to deal with was really following the rules. There were so many rules from my management. If I wanted a haircut, like I have to go through them. In my contract, it stated, oh, one thing with both companies is that I wasn't allowed to date. I can have not have a boyfriend. So this is a cultural thing. So that was one of the things that I had to learn coming to Taiwan. So we weren't allowed to date. And one of the clauses was really interesting was if I get my photos taken by like a paparazzi or something, I will get fined. Meaning like if I got caught with a guy or some shit like that, some scandal yeah. that, that people could write about, I would get fined. Yeah. That was one of the clauses. And I had a curfew. I don't know if the contracts are like this nowadays. I'm, I don't believe is this strict. But again, because, yeah, they were putting a lot of money out there. So I understand why they're so strict on things. But one of the cultural differences that I had to learn is we did not allow to date. Because I remember one time I came back to Taiwan and, and to, to visit you. And then we're just hanging out <gasps> as friends. Like we were childhood friends. I've seen like been in years. And- we were in Chili's. And I remember I was like, oh my God. And I was so excited. I ran up and I was like, hey, and I was going to give you a hug. And you were like, nope, right. nope, can't do it. And like, you had a like, chaperone. She was with me 24 7. I remember specifically this one time I wanted to get these like makeup because cosmetic. <laughs> yeah. 
she had to be there with me at all times. If I'm in the public, she has to be there with me at all times oh and God. to make sure that I have makeup on. If I didn't have makeup on, I needed to have a mask on and apparently get it. Like a disguise or something if I didn't have makeup on. Wow. Like it was to that extent. It's really something that I had to deal with. There was a time. I'm really athletic. Okay. And yeah. I love dancing and I, I love sports. Yeah. Like I'm really athletic. Yeah. So I work out, right? And my thing, I have this thing with the abs. I had these amazing abs. I was just so proud. I purposely got them so I could get them in time for my photo shoot for my album. And guess what? They said, hey, guys <laughs> won't think this is attractive. You need it. You need to stop what? working out. I was so proud of my body. But they said, <laughs> no, my friends are very supportive. Even my closest friends. When I put out my second album with Sony, with my music videos, it was cheesy, bro. It was pretty cheesy. I understand what they were trying to do. For one of the music videos, my acting with the crying, I did it. What happened with the director was like, he was so nice because music video directors and like acting director. Film directors, they're very different. Yeah. Film directors, they straight up bitch at you, right? For music yeah. video directors, they're very nice to you. So, so he was very nice to me. He went up yeah. to me and he goes, hey, so Renee, I don't know if this is too much to, can I have you try to cry on camera? <laughs> he was so sweet about it. Hey, I did yeah. it and he was so impressed. I was like, yeah. okay, at least that's something that I could do. All these years, John, I really didn't feel like I did anything right. I felt like mm. I was doing everything wrong. So that was that? something that, for instance, with my coworkers, you could see, you could feel their vibe. Either they're disappointed. I constantly gotten disappointment looks and vibes, or I know they, they weren't trying to show it. Or, and of course, I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm pretty damn sure. Also, at the same time that I probably did, or I made some choices or choice of words that I've said that might have upset some people. And yeah, I totally, of course, didn't make some mistakes on my part. So I'm not blaming anybody. But at the end of the day, all of my major releases during that time, I did not feel like I was doing anything. Just me wanting to have abs was not right. Me wanting to rap was not right because that is just like a small minority of people that listens to rap so i cannot do that so that's not right mm -hmm. i remember one time specifically i said no and that was not right either so what happened was we got a call from mcdonald's and a big deal right so mm -hmm. of course the company was like you're gonna do a commercial big brand so for those of you who don't know i'm vegan i've been vegan all my life yeah so they said i need to eat some chicken eggs and i need to get some leggings in my mouth no. Did I, they know that you were vegan? Yes, of course. So I said, I don't think I'm able to do that because I don't eat meat. And you know that. And you could just see the anger and disappointment. And so even being a vegan was not right. I felt like everything that I was doing was not right. And I understand if I were to put myself in the company's perspective, this was a huge deal, right? McDonald's. They give me like an alternative. They said, can you take the, a bite out of the nugget? And you could spit it out. After cut, you could spit it out. Mm -hmm. And I struggled too. I didn't really give them like a firm, no, I'm not going to do it. I said, let me try it mm -hmm. but at home first mm -hmm. to see if 
that's okay. Cause I don't want to give you a bad performance and then just waste everybody's time during yeah. filming. So I had a lot of things going on in my head. So I did try to do that. I couldn't do it, man. It's too much. I can't put that in my mouth. That was the time when I said no. And they, right away, you can feel the vibe going down, like just going, right. they didn't want to deal with me. I'm hard to work with. I'm just all of that. And I understand why they would say that. Also, but it's know, not I true because I'm so proud. There's a whole sub story there. I really want to come back to this thing because that very mentality that you're not right is so yeah. ingrained in that culture. Is that like, <laughs> yes. if money comes along, you don't have that right to say no because yeah. money, because it's always come mm -hmm. to what it comes back to. It's because money. So like you have right. no agency and that belief can go so deep into that. Can't say no. I can't stand up for myself. I can't be who I really am. I can't say what I want to say. I can't be who I want to mm -hmm. be because all of that is wrong because somebody else doesn't approve. And yeah, we can say, oh, but that's the life you signed up for. And that's the contract you decide to sign. What is a message that we are if like, that's what we are, right? In the sense that you are a musician, people look up to you and you are that leadership. I'm really proud of this new generation. I think in terms of social media, we have this platform that allows artists or public figures to have a voice. In the beginning of my career, like social media, it wasn't a thing mm -hmm. as much as it is now. Nowadays, it's really the artists have more say mm. because anytime they could just send a tweet or mm. post something on that and mm -hmm. then have their say. For me and my contracts during that time, yeah, we have Facebook, we had those popular social media sites and stuff, mm -hmm. but it was still in the contract. So they had the rights and they own my YouTube and all of my social media accounts. Like mm. they were dealing with that. So it wasn't mm -hmm. me posting. Sometimes it would be like them posting as me, but nowadays you don't really need a label that much anymore. You could release your own music. It's about the music producer that you work with, the songwriters that you work with. You could get that. You could connect yourself to the talented individuals just through the internet mm -hmm. and then just release your own shit online. And you don't need to go through a third party. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I'm really proud of this new generation. How do we help people? Because I think that's the biggest thing. Because I know that you have had this incredible journey. You've experienced so much loss and grief and struggle. Oh my gosh, I think it's really about like people connections and people that you know. I know it sounds like mm. shallow. It's all the connection in the industry. That's the truth. Yeah. It's really about the people that you know. Getting into the circle, knowing the right people, connecting to the right people, whether that is music producers, whether that is somebody who's an artist, whether mm. that is a PR promoter to try to get you shows. It's mm. really about the people that you know. At the end of the day, blow up online, get all mm. shitloads of followers. Nowadays, record companies, how they sign people is they're going through IG and see how many followers they have. And then mm. they sign artists by their followers. Followers right. are like currency right now. If you're talented, trust me, you will be heard. You got to really put yourself out there. There are so many talented people out there but they lack that platform or they lack that drive to spend time to do social media. Social media is the shit right now. Be obsessed 
with what you're doing and what yeah. you love to do. Do not turn down any opportunity or any job, even if it's like a small role, just so you show up on stage in the corner of the stage to deal with the lighting. Just any sort of opportunity for you to get physically closer to the stage if mm -hmm. the stage is what you're after that's what i'm saying mm -hmm. don't turn down no jobs mm -hmm. if you want to be an actor dude go to every fucking audition don't matter the role we need to fail before we mm -hmm. succeed if you have any doubts saying oh shit this is hard i want to give up then you sorry to tell you that you weren't even passionate enough to begin with mm -hmm. that's the thing you got to be hangry that is my quote yeah. of the day I'm 37, okay? All of my girlfriends are either getting married and then, like, having a baby or freezing their eggs. I'm still enjoying my freedom right now because I was so hangry that, like, I was sharing with you. I felt like I wasn't doing nothing right mm. all throughout my career. I was doing nothing, even in terms of love. I wasn't doing that shit. Satisfied, contented. Satisfied, exactly. I'm satisfied. Yeah. Yes. Later on, after I'm completely contract free, I had more freedom, right? So yeah. I got to work with the artists that I want to yeah. work with, the music producers and songwriters that I want to work with. Yeah. I've always hung around. So when I was signed to major labels, they were filtering out my friends as well. I have these amazing, like, group of family. Mm -hmm. They're a rap group. They're called mm -hmm. One Tone and J116. They're like my fam, my fam, my boys. They hustled their way up. I wanted to take them onto my stage as rappers and hopefully to give them some time on my stage, mm -hmm. but it wasn't allowed because they're mm -hmm. not for my image, right? Mm -hmm. And anyways, after I was contract-free, I was very dark. Mm -hmm. I was still really confused in my head. Mm -hmm. Music is something, it's in my blood. It's something that made me happy mm -hmm. and fulfilled. But at the mm -hmm. same time, it was the thing that killed me. Mm -hmm. So it was very conflicting, right? But after my contract, I was contract free. My boy Iso is my little god brother. Iso hit me up. You should just start rolling with us. Let's just start making songs together. Start rapping. Do you? <laughs> and at first, I was hesitant because I don't know if the underground scene is me. Mm. But he reminded me of where I'm from. He reminded me of my background because I had been brainwashed. He pulled me back to my roots. You're right, bro. I was like you guys playing and you know, doing the street thing because I had these amazing boys by my side. They hustled. Mm -hmm. They took me along with. They helped me get back on my feet, mm -hmm. get back on stage. The times when I'm on stage with them, I'm rapping. I'm being me. I'm just being so free and oh my God, it felt better than the previous stages. One of the biggest stages that I've stepped on was in Beijing. Mm -hmm. And that stage was like 80,000 people. It was like a sea of people. I couldn't really see any. I couldn't even compare to the stage of, let's just say 200 people, 500 yeah, course, people yeah. with the boys. Yeah. Oh my God, I was so happy. I got my confidence back. We did tracks together. We started releasing together. And then we just started doing shows. And one of the most important things that yeah, I would like to share is it's very important to pick the people that you surround yourself with mm. because they play a big role in our lives. You probably don't know. The people that you pick to surround yourself and your time, they will influence you. And because I got these amazing boys, shout out to Juan Tom and J116, shout out to the boys. They're, I would take a bullet for them, for mm. everything that they've done for me career-wise. 
and personal life, just they were there right. and they mean so much to me. So surround yourself with the right people mm. that rise with your vibe, with their frequency. Yeah. Right. Those are the three years ago, the stuff that I put out with the board. And if it wasn't for the journey, like all the ups and downs that I've been through in the beginning of my career, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed like later on the journey probably wouldn't as sweet and made the end of the journey sweeter for me. Mm. And I look back, actually, I'm glad that had happened to me in the past. I am glad that I experienced all of that. I needed that to grow as a person, to grow as a human being, as an artist, all perspectives, any way, shape or form. I needed that journey. Any last advice to all of our Asian families out there, people who want to pursue the dream? Last final advice. I know you shared a lot about surrounding yourself with the right people. Get onto as many stages. Get as physically close to the work as you possibly can. Don't stop fighting. You're going to encounter a lot of naysayers, but don't stop fighting through those because the naysayers, they don't know anything. Trust your instinct. Trust your gut. Work on your talent. Hit that and... Learn to trust yourself when it comes also to saying no. Sometimes that you get that big contract in front of you and you feel like you have to give up who you are. But in those kind of times, trust your own voice and fight for your own voice so you don't lose yourself in the process. All very important. You've dropped some well, knowledge bombs. Yeah. One thing that I do live by mm -hmm. in my days right now is that come that someone you needed when you were younger. That's my motto right now. I'm trying my best. I still have a lot to learn. I still got a lot of room for new knowledge, new wisdom. I'm still learning myself. I know I'm still doing this thing called life. There's still a lot to learn throughout my journey. After all of this, at the end of the day, I'm trying to become that person that I needed when I was younger. Whether that is family, friendship, love, career. Who's that person? If they want to follow you, what's the best way? I'm not really active on social media, but if you want... Google me on Instagram. Whatever shit pops up on Google. <laughs> Look for the yeah, blue check marks. Probably. Thanks so much. Yeah. It's been amazing. As Asian Americans, we are as strong as our collective community. So if there's something that you found valuable in this episode, share it with a friend and tag us on social media. And if you like the show, leave us a review and send us a screenshot and you might win some big Asian energy merch, which we give out every month. So you can go out there and own your big Asian energy. <laughs>